all right good evening everyone all right good evening everyone welcome to the second session of how to destroy the second edition of how to build prophetic relationships um, so we're going to start immediately and um, we'll just take it from there. We'll just start immediately and just take it from there, right? All right, um, how to handle prophetic relationships. The, I think it was June 29th that we did the first session or we took the, the first edition of how to handle prophetic relationship. And, you know, it came out of... It came out of... Um, sorry, it came out of... Um, immersion it came out of immersion you know in in the course of you know immersion you know part of what god started staring up in in my heart or in our hearts you know is the matter of relationships you see because there are a lot of things that god you know will, will be prepared or is prepared to do in our lives and you know how he does those things is by bringing people into our lives as a matter of fact, you know, I've I've always wondered, you know, you know, out of curiosity, what is the most important thing on this earth? I mean, there there has to be something that matters so much to God, or is the epicenter or the crux of everything that God is doing. I mean, there has to be one thing that is very important to God. You know, I've always asked that question. You know, listening to, you know, uh, preachers, listening to a lot of people, you know, studying the Bible, I, I, I came to a conclusion that the most important thing, if, I, if God was to choose an area of interest that matters to him more than every other thing, it would be the matter of relationship. The matter of relationships. As a matter of fact, God himself is a relational God. At the very core of his being, God is relational. At the very core of God's being, God is relational. So I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally taking this slow so that I also give people opportunity to join. Because I want to say some very important and heavy things here today. And I believe it's going to bring us perspective, you know, on how to handle prophetic relationships in our lives. You know, because everything revolves around relationship. Everything rises and falls on relationship. Relationship is the most important thing on this earth and in heaven. God himself is a relational God. So if you've had encounters with God, or even if you study his word, you will look, if you look through the Bible, you will see one recurring theme. And that theme is the matter of relationship. God is very, for the lack of a better word, obsessed with relationship, Right? And that is why the one rule or law that governs, in fact, it is, it is, the, it is the, the cornerstone of every law there is in the, in the earth, in the universe, everywhere, is relationships. You know, um, um, treating other people the way you want them to treat you. It is the cornerstone of everything, both in heaven and on earth and i've come to realize that god places emphasis on how we treat people 
God places emphasis on how we treat people. God places emphasis on how we treat people. It's so profound. I mean, it's so profound. In fact, there was, there was a, I think it was John, either John 4.20 or John 2.20, you know, talked about, you know, John was telling them, how can you say that you love God if you do not love the people that you see who were made in his image? You know, because sometimes we can become so religious, we are saying, no, we love God more than people. But the truth of the matter is that your love for God is expressed in the way you treat people, especially those who are in no position to add value to you. In fact, God's love, the profundity of God's love is expressed in the fact that when we didn't have any value in ourselves, that was when God decided to love us. So what his love did for us, his love imparted value to us. So the value that we have as people now came from the impartation of God's love on us. So that means that God took his value right and imparted on us such that the value we now have is the value that god himself has so it's so profound right so god is very concerned about how you treat especially underdogs especially people who are of no in quotes economic importance or usefulness to you god is concerned how you treat them as a matter of fact one of the ways to judge the character of a person and it never fails. It never fails. You cannot explain it away. You cannot um, um, human nature it away. Say it's human nature. One of the ways to know the character of a person is how they treat people who do not, who do not have the capacity to add value to them, like the poor, the needy, motherless, fatherless, and those people. And if you read scripture very well, you realize that God is very biased about the underdogs. He, he can take their side. He doesn't. He will take their side at you know in a heartbeat, right? So that's why God emphasizes so much on how we treat people, and that is why God is God doesn't God is so upset with people who take power and abuse it, especially when you are in the position of power. And people are under, you know, your, your influence. And you take that power and you take that influence and mess up the lives of people. God is very upset with such situations, right? Because if you see, they, see, the viciousness of Satan is revealed in, in how we treat people badly. Especially when someone has so much power and uses that power for, for the gratification of their own desires. That thing upsets God like nothing else. You know, the taking of power or influence and using it to gratify your selfish desires. God hates that thing. And then taking advantage of people. There are some things I want to say here today. God give me utterance to say those things. Because there are certain things that we do that are very satanic in nature. They are serpentine in nature. If there is time, please remind me to talk about, you know, the, the, to, 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 to paint a portrait of the human nature, what it looks like. Human nature is ugly. There is nothing beautiful about it. It's so ugly that God, when man sinned and, you know, um, perverted his human nature, it was not possible for God to renovate that human nature. He had to sentence it to death. It was so damaged and so ugly and vicious that the only sentence human nature had was death. 
So when we say things like, you know, do you, do you, and things like that, we are just representing the very character of Satan who, you know, wanted to overthrow God. He was like, I will ascend the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. That I, I, I mentality, that thing is so ugly in the sight of God. It's ugly. No matter how beautiful the person is on the outside, if they have that selfish, diabolical, selfish tendency, they are ugly in the sight of God. God hates such things. It's a very terrible thing. And anytime we catch ourselves doing that, we should go on our knees and repent and say, Father, let my very life eh, reflect you know, your nature. Because God is outgoing. He's, he's, he's a loving God. He's a loving God. He's a benevolent Father. Right? And God is not selfish at all. And as powerful as God is, God is meek. God is humble. That's the kind of God that we have. God is meek. God is humble. He's the most powerful entity on this earth, yet he doesn't use his power to force us to do anything. But you see the very nature of human beings, the very nature of witchcraft, we use our power and our influence to coerce people into doing things we want. I'll give you an example. Let me say, oh my God. I've never started what I want to say, but let me keep talking. Let's say maybe a guy has so much money. He has so much money. And he knows he has money. And he uses the influence of that his money, you know, to, for example, draw attention to himself or maybe go, um, go around chasing women to gratify his selfish desire. That thing doesn't please God in any way. Or maybe a lady is so beautiful and she intentionally uses the influence of her beauty to gratify her personal desires, to get people to do things for her, you know, to submit to her whims. God is so, that thing is so terrible. It's so terrible. One of these days when we talk about relationships, I'll focus on it so much. And how that, you know, the institution of love and marriage and relationships have been destroyed by this particular thing. Let me, let me, let me mention, you know, part of it a little bit. You see how that, for example, um, there's a concept known as, you know, bigamy. Is it bigamy or hypergamy or things like that? People marry up. Now, part of what influences or feeds into that particular disposition is now. Okay, uh, let me let me tell it as a story like this. You see a man who, when he was in his twenties, thirties, he was still struggling. You know, he was trying to find his way around, and maybe he marries a wife, and you know, things become better for him, and things open up, and then in his forties, fifties, he becomes very rich. And then the guy has money. And the thing about having money is that you can sponsor sin. You can sponsor sin. You can sponsor yourself. You can do anything you want because you have money. So you see those guys in their 40s, 50s. Now pay attention to this. I've not even started what I want to say, but I feel you need to say this. I'm going to also fix a meeting where I talk about things like this and how to address it. So this guy in his 40s, 50s, who has a wife and children, just because he now has money and he sees the influence money gives him, he now decides to use that his influence, that his power to now pursue younger girls who are maybe still in school, who have, who do not know their left from their right, and then begins to shower them with money. And you see that those ladies now begin to feel that love, um, no, it's not polygamy, it's hypergamy or bigamy. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, I'm not talking about polygamy, it is hypergamy stroke bigamy right you know when people marry up you know when you these people they call social climbers people who 
you know marry up you know for example young girls who come into social circles of influential people and want to marry people there things like that i'm not saying it's wrong to marry a wealthy person but you know the very intention of it so these people in their 40s 50s that have money the sugar daddies right they now lavish these young girls in the universities with money so the experience of love in quotes that those ladies have is lavishing of money so what it does for the marriage institution or for the love industry is that those ladies now have a an a wrong conception or an or a bastardized conception of what love is so when maybe um guys in their circle now want to marry them you know they begin to insult and demean those guys because they don't have that level of money and begin to place a lot of demands on those guys Failing to understand that these guys who are sugar daddies that are lavishing on you were one time like those guys. You see what is happening? So it changed, changes the very structure of what love is, especially the expression of love. So you see a lot of ladies who are selfish, who are greedy, the avarice, because they've experienced, you know, money from these sugar daddies who give them money, you know, at a cost, but, you know, it's free is almost like free money and then you now see what's also happening you know the older ladies who have so much money who don't have anything to do with their time now look for younger guys spend on them so guys now have you know an a, a mindset of you know just stay enjoy don't work hard and all that a lady must do this to me so you see that in so in the circle of those young ones who are not yet married they've experienced the bastardized version of love and attention and then when it's now time for them to get married to themselves they get into all kinds of mess expectation demands and you know guys these days are under pressure to get married because you know, the, the older men are setting a stupid wrong devilish standard for the younger ladies in our generation and things like that so you see all those messed up things you know why i'm saying this is it's an expression of that satanic twisted perverted nature taking power for your selfish needs god hates that thing in fact what meekness means meekness is power under control when you have when you have so much power and so much influence but you do not use it to take advantage of people who are under your influence it's a very terrible thing. It's so so matters of relationship are very sensitive in the eyes of God. God is very sensitive, you know, in matters of relationship. That is why you see relationship. Whenever you call a relationship seminar, you will keep getting. Whenever you call a relationship seminar, you will keep getting crowds because there is something in the human nature that is so passionate that is looking for right relationships there is something in the human nature looking for right relationships so that is why whenever you talk about relationship people are there to listen because the whole industry is messed up and part of why it's messed up is because of the terribleness of human nature how terrible human nature is so you see that twistedness people are scared to get into it because we don't know how to handle relationships much more prophetic relationships that one is even more dangerous because if you if you malhandle prophetic relationships in your life, it might shut a lot of doors for you. As I'm saying this thing, my heart is filled with awe and f- the fear of God because this. If the, if I fear one thing is God, because listen, eh, the standards of God, the, the see, oh, the principles of God, eh, violating them, the consequences are far-reaching. And the funny thing is, God is still a loving God, though, but the consequences of those actions are scary. So sometimes I search my heart. 
And I pray, pray, I say, Lord, if I have ever at any time, you know, maltreated anybody or even taken advantage of anybody when I was in influence, forgive, forgive me because you don't know how the way you treat people will damage their maybe self-concept, self-image and things like that. And so when we begin to understand and appreciate the sacredness of relationships, especially prophetic or covenant relationships, then we'll become very careful. Let me, let me get into what I have for today, my God. So I want us to take, and, and let me say, okay, I'll get into that. Ooh. Let me say one more thing before I get into what I have for today. You see, God is a, is a God of relationship and God is very vulnerable. God is a very vulnerable entity, so powerful yet vulnerable. That is why God does not just get into relationships with anybody. I will get into that. God is very selective in his relationship. Now, his grace is free. But people who get into his inner circle, God is very particular about it. Because when you get to that level, you see how vulnerable God is. Some years back, you know, I, I was fighting with God. You know, I was angry with him because of a lot of things that was going in my mind. So I was avoiding him. I wasn't talking about him. I didn't even want to mention God. Anytime I wanted to talk about God, I'll talk about maybe superior force, universe, things. Like I was so angry because of things going on in my life. But, you know, he called me back into the secret place. And, you know, it was like a wind. I felt a wind released from heaven and he entered into my soul. And God said, go back into your secret place. And so I just got back. Because I, I, it came with, that thing came with an urgency in my spirit. And so I went back. So in those days, you know, I was fasting, praying, you know, fellowshipping with God. So one of those days, I, I, I went for a meeting, a prayer meeting. So as I got into that prayer meeting, you know, God started speaking to me. Okay, so and then I entered that prayer meeting. God said to me, I know when he speaks to me. God said to me, don't be ashamed of me. In fact, the way he said it, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, and one of the things we need to understand is the tone of God, the tone with which God talks. God talks in a very soft, vulnerable tone. And sometimes it can be very authoritative and majestic. But in that time, he was so, so soft and vulnerable. He said, don't be ashamed of me. Because he saw that in my heart, I was struggling with him because I didn't want to talk about him. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything that related to him. And he said, don't be ashamed of me. And then he began to show me how vulnerable he was and began to explain to me that why Lucifer had the audacity to even challenge God because was that uh, Lucifer being a covering cherub saw that God, as powerful as he is, was a vulnerable person. He was a very down-to-earth person. So Lucifer thought he could take advantage of God, but he didn't know that the power... Oh, let me not get into that. So you see that God is vulnerable. He, he loves relationships. And that is why God is attracted to broken and contrite spirit. If you're a man of a broken and a contrite heart, God is quickly attracted to you. Proud people repel God. The Bible says that God resists the proud. But God, you know, is drawn or attracted to broken people. People who are meek. You know, you, you, you don't feel too important. Especially before God. You are not ashamed of him. God is drawn to such people. Right, that brokenness, that meek spirit, that quiet, that humble spirit, it draws God like it draws him like moth to a fire, and that's because God is relational and God loves to be vulnerable. That's why pride disgusts him. So, imagine when God is resisting you, who, who, which other force in this universe will help you? If the devil is resisting you, God can help you, but when God himself is resisting you, nobody can help you. So, that's why humility, brokenness right is god's strategy of building relationships that's why when you come to god he will strip you he will break you as in 
things will be t- your pride, your ego, it will just it will it will come to zero. And that is the time you will now begin to experience the power of God because power is only handed over to people who are broken, who are meek, things like that. Right? So let's let's get into it. Please, I'd like you to take note of these following things and please take this seriously. My heart is burning. In fact, the third, the third, um, the third, the third um, edition of this How to Handle Prophetic Relationship, I'm going to be focusing on covenants. But I'm going to talk about it a little bit here. Mm. So one of the things you need to know is that relationships and matters of love are the most fragile things on this earth. Nothing is more fragile than love and relationship. It, as a matter of fact, it's actually very dangerous to fall in love. It is very dangerous. Falling in love is the most dangerous thing on this earth. I'm telling you. And yet, it is the most powerful thing. The most powerful things are vulnerable. <laughs> I said the most powerful things on earth are very vulnerable. So it's actually very dangerous to fall in love because love creates vulnerability. You know, the reason why people say love hurts is that love makes you vulnerable. It creates vulnerability such that the pain is now multiplied. That is why there are certain things your enemy will do to you, you won't care. But when your friend does it to you, the same thing, the pain is multiplied. And that is because, because love creates vulnerability. It opens the deeper recesses of your soul. As a matter of fact, the person you are in love with has the greatest weapon against you. That is why hey, God protected love with something. There is something that God uses to protect love because the very person you love, you've opened your soul to, is the same person who has the power to destroy you. Yes, because they know you, they see you, they can destroy, they can destroy you in a heartbeat. But we live in a day, we live in days. We live in days where people, for example, let me say, maybe you, ah, oh, so many things coming to my mind. Let me say you, you were in a previous relationship. And you, you thought it was going to end well. So you opened up your soul to that person. And then the relationship didn't work. And the person took those same things you told them and told everybody in your cycle, in your circle, sorry. Destroy, oh my God. Very terrible things. These things grieve the heart of God himself. Hi. Oh. That is why God doesn't work with people who are loose-mouthed. If you're a very loose-mouthed person, God will not use you as much as he, he wants to use you. Imagine being in a relationship with someone and you tell them everything about your life and they take that very thing and turn it against you and take it, maybe take it public. And things that you would rather not tell anybody, they tell everybody. And they use it to taunt you, especially now that we're in a social media generation. They will publish your charts, release, vo- release voice notes, things you told them in confidence, things you told them in fear, in times where you are down, they take it, screenshot, they screenshot everything and put things like this. And that's why it doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter what somebody has done to you in a relationship, you don't, as long as the person is alive, you don't take their dirty linen and wash it outside. Just because you want to get to them. In the name of revenge. You don't do such things. 
you don't do such things but, but let's, let's, so love is actually a very dangerous thing vulnerable and yet the most powerful you're because you actually give the person power to hurt you that is why god you see god you see yeah, god does not god is not into boyfriend girlfriend actually god only gets interested in a relationship when he's based on a covenant so the truth is a lot of people who are doing boyfriend girlfriend god does not recognize it he doesn't because god because god knows human nature but let me not let me not jump ahead of myself so god doesn't get involved in relationships anyhow because god is actually a very vulnerable person he will bring you into secrets that will blow your mind but he needs to trust you he needs to to see that you're a loyal person so god doesn't get because of how sensitive relationships are god doesn't get involved in it anyhow and so without covenant covenant is is a system that god designed to protect love because i know some of you have been in a relationship where you were hurt deeply maybe somebody knew that you were a giver and they used it they 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 plundered your resources that 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 is serpentine in nature they plundered your resources because they knew that you were a giver and then they weaved some manipulative antics to draw from you and you are doing it out of love not knowing that the devil is in their in their ear speaking to them so that's that's where there, there are rules of engagement for relationships there are rules of engagement for managing relationships you just don't don't just jump into relationship and not because your emotions are everywhere you just jump into it or maybe maybe you have a friend maybe you've known him for 20 years he just he just no there are, there are rules of engagement there are ways to coordinate relationship so because relationship is the most important thing on this earth it matters to god so without covenant god doesn't get involved in relationship because he's a relational god he doesn't get interested in flimsy things that is why see that is why you know when you come to god especially when you sin and say god i will do it again if i do it kill me god doesn't take you serious let me tell you god didn't take you seriously because he knows human nature he knows that in the next moment you can't do that same thing the only time he will kill you as you were is when you enter a covenant you've entered into deep places with him look at moses moses saw the face of god people don't understand why god told moses you went to that promised land though because moses saw the face of god he he saw the naked parts of god and god gave him an instruction and he disobeyed god said you will die on this mountain you are not entering because there are places you will get into relationship the consequences for actions is death i'm telling you that is why infidelity is like death is like the death of a relationship that's why divorce is like death there are certain things you never do in a covenant relationship because you're introducing death. You, death is the consequence. Death. That is why the grounds on which God permits divorce is infidelity, adultery, fornication. Because it is an affront. It's, it's, it's like seeing the naked parts of this person and the person you are in a covenant with and you go outside. You don't know the kind of death you brought into your life. Just because your loins are hot, all of a sudden you now see somebody else is attractive. And, uh, I mean, you, you you no longer have respect to the covenant of your mind. You you go outside. 
you 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 is you, may the lord give us understanding it's just foolishness <laughs> oh god there are things you don't do in a covenant relationship so a covenant relationship is a prophetic relationship because god is involved uh, please forgive my passion but this thing is a matter is a heavy as i'm speaking in my heart is trembling i'd rather not marry than marry a wife and then my loins are outside. I would rather stay outside. I would rather not get into it in the first place. I would rather not. I would rather not. Because the moment you get into that relationship, a marriage is an example of a prophetic relationship. It's an example of a covenant relationship. See, the terms for violating that covenant is death. Okay, let me let me just let me just go ahead because. You know, hmm. oh, let me just go ahead with you know, some of the things I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just jumping the gun because this thing is boiling in my heart. So God doesn't get into relationships anyhow because God, lo- God is love. His very nature is love, but He doesn't jump into it. He makes sure that He protects it by a covenant before He unleashes Himself to you. That is why God recommends. That there will be no sex before marriage. Because you don't release yourself to a person in a certain way. Until may God have mercy on all of us. Because you don't. There are those things that are not. May God give us understanding. But God is a merciful God. He, he always gives us an opportunity for a fresh start. But these are reasons why God said, don't show your naked parts to people until you've entered the covenant. Because the covenant is what protects that relationship as we get into it we understand so god does not commit easily because he understands human nature somebody may come and cry and cry i'm sorry the, the, the tears do not alter the very nature of that person please i hope i'm still clear there is this sound outside that i hope is not filtering into this conversation right so um, please let me know if you know there are, there are um, environment, environmental disturbances that you are hearing so i know how to adjust right so let me know in the chat box so god doesn't commit easily right and you see the most painful wound in life is the one inflicted by love the one inflicted by a friend that's the most painful wound if an enemy stabs you from the back, you can bear it. But when an enemy, sorry, when a friend, the one that has seen your vulnerabilities, when they betray you, that is the, that is, see, hell had no fury like the rage that comes from that betrayer. Hell had no fury like that one. So betrayal is vicious. I'm still talking about how to handle prophetic relationship betrayal is very vicious and i'm going to give examples of instances of betrayal in the bible you know in david you know he wrote you know david was in in a david was in the habit of writing poems and songs to reflect his situation so david wrote one in psalm 41 verse 9 you know to reflect the bit or the the rage or the 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 wound the pain that comes from being betrayed 
by a covenant relationship or a prophetic relationship or a close relationship. He said in Psalm 41 verse 9, he said, Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Like he, 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 was, he, was, he was expressing his words, like even my best friend. And then in, in Psalm 55 verse 12, this one is even more graphic. He said, Psalm 55 verse 12, he said, it is not an enemy who taunts me. He said, I can bear that. I could bear that. He said, it is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. He said, instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend, my best friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. And this is even talking about a relationship with a, a, a fellow believer. Someone who shares the same covenant with you. He said it was you, my best friend. That, see, that kind of, that kind of um, betrayal, uh, it, it causes the earth to rage. The earth, it, it, it unbalances the earth. It does something to the earth. It, the earth doesn't remain the same. And one thing you need to understand about the earth is that the earth mimics us. The civil wars and the deterioration that we see on the outside is a reflection of the civil war and the deterioration that is on the inside. All that you see outside is a mere reflection of the things happening on the inside. So you see the rage that comes out of betrayal. And we've seen ex- right from the Garden of Eden, betrayal has been happening. God, was, Adam was the first man to betray God. And let me explain to you why it, it is a betrayal. Because God created Adam. And you see, God used to have sweet fellowship with Adam. He used to tell Adam his secrets. He used to tell Adam stuff. Comes down to fellowship with him. And Adam was not deceived. If you read the epistles, you see that Adam was not deceived. It was Eve that was deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. And Adam took the sovereignty and gave it to an enemy of God. The same enemy that tried to be that betrayed God in heaven and tried to overthrow him. Adam partnered with the enemy of God to betray God. Ah, it, it hurts the heart of God, trust me. Because when God came and said, Adam, where are you? It was a reflection of a hurt in his heart. Because yes, God hurts. He hurts. If you read the Bible, you see that God, sometimes God is angry, he hurts. But at the same time, you know, his methodology is love. But yet he hurt him. So Adam betrayed God. And we now see that betrayal cascading down into... So you see the human condition from Genesis 3 down to Revelation. You see the expression of human condition. You see, you see human condition in display of betrayals, scandals, things like that as an expression of that be- first betrayal. So you see that the chaos that entered into society was as a result of a, 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 a sorry, a, a, how do I say this? A break in relationships, a, a betrayal in relationships. So the moment relationship was fractured in the Garden of Eden, it affected social, cultural, political matters all over the earth till today. Till today. So we see Cain and Abel. And I want you to understand the story of Cain and Abel because Cain and Abel were brothers. Pay attention to this. Cain and Abel were brothers. And I need you to understand that the reason why 
Abel willingly followed Cain to the field was because in the past, they used to go to the field together. Maybe they used to go together to play, to just, you know, growing up, how, you know how you used to grow up, you used to play with your siblings and all that you are used to. So, so you grow up with that, that mentality that your brother, your sister has, you, has your back. So Cain came in the same guise. Ah, let's go to the field now, you know, and Abel thought, okay, maybe it's one of those times with Jesus, talk about the future, talk about our lives and things like that. He didn't know that Cain had a malicious intent. And that was when Cain killed him. It, in fact, it so shocked Abel that his blood spoke out to God. Lord, avenge me. Because that, was, that death came from betrayal of a covenant. Because they were bonded by the covenant of brotherhood. And Cain killed him, murdered him. Because Cain was expressing the same murder, that, the same hatred that was in the heart of Satan. That he had influenced in the heart of Cain. That Satan had towards God. It was the same thing. And that was why God didn't like God had to banish Cain out of his out of out of Eden. Because he had he had he had changed the very structure of the earth by his betrayer by killing his brother. And then we see the story of Samson and Delilah. What people don't understand, most people don't understand about Samson and Delilah is that Samson got to a place where he trusted Delilah. See, for a man to lie down on your laps, forget the fact that he was immoral. For a man to lie down on your laps, it means he trusts you with his life. For a man to put his head on your ear, he trusts you with his life. That he can come in your house and just, you know, have a nap. Because the day that Samson was betrayed, he was sleeping. He was sleeping. So, you know, you know how you go to your friends and say, let me take a nap, man. The world, I mean, work today was so bad. Let me, and when I come into your space, I feel peace. That was the condition between Samson and Delilah. And Delilah used her influence over Samson to poke him, poke him, poke him until, until, until he released the covenant of God he was not supposed to release. And it's not as if she kept it to herself. She took it and told someone else. There are some of you here, people have told you secret things about their lives because you are too excited. You took it and told somebody else. There was a lady I met one time. Many, some years, some years back. You know, I had some interest. Because one thing about me is when I have an interest in someone, I, I try to navigate conversation first to see, you know, if we can... I try to talk about some things first, you know, for a while. So, you know, because I was comfortable with the lady at the time, you know, I started telling her some things that God had told me. So one day God told me to stop. I, I just felt that uneasiness. I had just told her something. And that thing was something that God had told me. Something about my personal life. Jesus. And I told her that thing. Very, very important something. Yeah, the, the damage was not too much because it was something that I, I could... I, the damage control it was... But I told her something personal that God had told me. God told me, stop that. She just... She, she just told her friend what you told her out of excitement. And I buzzed her. I said, did you tell your friend this thing I just told you? She was like, yes, she did. I was like, never you ever again. Now, it, it was not a bad thing. It was not a very dirty secret. It was actually, you know, some of the promises God had given me. And I just shared with her, you know, because, you know, in my mind, I was warming up to the fact that, okay, this person, I'm going to, you know, build a relationship with this person. And she took it and told her friend. And God told me immediately, and I warned her. And from that day, I stopped. And in fact, in fact, of course, the relationship did not amount to anything. Because little, those things, you know, you think is nothing. 
Hmm. Wow. Okay. You think it's nothing? God just reminded me of something. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> ah, God. This God is somehow. All right. So I, I, I just, I just had to cut off. I just had to cut off because I didn't give you permission you know, to talk about. I didn't give you permission to share that particular thing. Right, so you see that. So you see, so something and Delilah, you see, something took his covenant and shared with Delilah. Delilah now used it, Delilah now used it to you know betray him, betrayal of relationship. So we now see the case of Judas and Jesus. What you need to understand about Judas, you know, the Psalms of David were also a reflection of you know the, the experiences of Jesus because they were messianic prophecies. Judas, see, listen, Judas was the treasurer, and I, I need to tell you, maybe or help you understand, you know, the nature of that relationship. Jesus trusted Judas with the money, and so whenever they sit at the table, Judas sits by the by the side of Jesus. John sits on the other side, so they, they always eat from the same plate. Judas, the same Judas. So that was why Jesus said, "The same person I ate from the same plate with betrayed me with this information." And so when Judas came, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Is it because that was their custom? That kiss was a sign of intimacy. It was a sign of... So Judas betrayed him with a kiss. So he was betrayed by intimacy. Jesus, Jesus, my heart is just burning. He betrayed... Intimacy betrayed him. Intimacy betrayed him. And so when Judas came to betray him, he said, friend. He called him friend. And Judas gave him a kiss. Betrayal. We also see the story of Julius Caesar. Very powerful man that conquered the whole world. Became emperor of Rome from nothing. From just an ordinary soldier to the emperor of Rome. And then they planned to overthrow him. And so he entered into the council chamber that day. And then they started stabbing him from left to right. People stabbing him left to right. And then... As he was staggering, he now saw his friend Brutus. You know, he now went f- towards him, thinking that okay, his friend is here, we'll fight for him. And Brutus now plunged the final sword into his body. And he said, Et tu, Brutus, even thou, O Brutus. And slumped and died. Examples of betrayal in relationships. We also see Lucifer and Adam, and we have talked about that. Right? So, because of human nature, ah, my heart is burning. Oh, Jesus. We need to repent. We need to repent. All of us, we need to repent today. In any way, we have betrayed relationships. Or it may not be an extreme betrayal, but maybe you, 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 you've done something you are not supposed to do in a relationship based on an agreement. We need to repent. You know, have full disclosure. Because those relationships are important to God. And in fact, it's not, sometimes it's not even about the people. It's about the principle of loyalty. I don't know why my heart is dreaming like this. It's about the principle. I, I hope I'll be able to finish this thing today because I'm not even. Oh, that mess. So God had to design a system to protect love. He had to design a system to protect love. He had to design a system to protect, and that system is called the covenant. So. You, you can either call it how to handle prophetic relationships or how to handle covenant relationships. 
right so in our next edition i'm going to talk about covenants understanding covenants and i'll talk about the highest level of a covenant which is the blood covenant of which marriage is a representation of it so god now so god now decides that he, he's not going to reveal himself ordinarily he's going to reveal himself on the basis of a covenant that is why in spite of how loving god is he had to send jesus to die to establish a covenant so that we will approach him on the basis of that covenant because that covenant is what protects him in that relationship because if there's any entity that has betrayed god that they hurt him he was human beings so god had to create a system of covenant to protect love so love it can only survive when it's protected within a relationship love cannot survive outside of a covenant that is not the design that is why the greatest system that God has designed to protect love is marriage and family. Covenant is a method or a system or strategy for protecting love. You, you, don't, you, you can't just have boyfriend and girlfriend and expect that love to be protected. It can, there, is no, there is no guarantee or grounds on which you should expect it to be protected. That's why you shouldn't give yourself fully to someone you've not entered a covenant with. Especially if, so there are different types of covenant. There is a marriage covenant, which is a blood covenant. Then there's a covenant between brothers or between friends. Like the one Jonathan and David did. You know, they just, you know, made an oath with each other and all that. I'm going to get into that maybe in the third edition of how to enter covenant with people. Because the truth is, see, most of the powerful people on this earth today enter covenant relationships. Look at most cultists. They are bound by a blood relationship. You never find them taking each other to court. But you see people. Especially, you know, people in the Christian faith taking each other to court. They don't understand the terms of the covenant. Imagine married people, you know, you know, be, betraying each other up and down because they don't know that the, the covenant is what binds them together. Competing with each other, treating each other with levity because they don't understand, you know, the gravity of a covenant. So God had to, re- now decided that he was going to reveal himself on the basis of a covenant. So let me tell you this. For those of you who are in the in in habit of you meet somebody today, you've told them your whole life story without verifying the very nature of their heart. You, you open your mouth and you say you are a very relational person. That's a very careless attitude and you must stop today. You reveal yourself to somebody on the basis of a covenant or on the basis of your understanding of how faithful their heart is, how loyal their heart is. I don't care how, how you are feeling. You reveal yourself on the basis of a covenant. Because it is that covenant that protects you and protects that person from you too. Some of these things that we do today in the name of relationship are just being careless. You don't you just meet someone just because you feel some butterflies in your belly belly or you feel your health swelling as for a guy, you just start to uh, vomit everything. You've not tried and tested the person's heart to know the kind of person they are. Just vomit everything. And how many relationships have you had? All your the relationships it has ended, and people are just going away with your secrets because of lack of understanding that it is on the basis of a covenant that you ought to reveal yourself. God does not reveal himself except on the basis of a covenant, and we are supposed to learn from him. So we are supposed to keep ourselves safe from human nature. Yes. If I, if I say it the way I would say it, some of you, some of you become scared of marriage. 
is on the basis of a covenant. So there are certain traits you see in a person, and you know that this person is not trustworthy. Yes, of course, there will be a level of disclosure you get with the person, and you can trust them. On that basis, you can begin to review. But listen, the moment you start doing that, make sure that, okay, the second type of covenant is you can meet a friend, and you see that this friend is for life. You You can enter a covenant or an agreement with that person and say, the person, see, we will always have each other's back. And you call God to witness. Yes, see, listen. People who enter into halls of power have covenants guiding them. See, most pastors that you see doing well today, they have covenant brotherhood or covenant relationships protecting them. Very tight covenant relationships. And you will never hear them speak against that person no matter the scandal outside. But everybody, keyboard warriors, you hear it. Ah, you begin to comment. Ah, these people. And the, the very people they're in the covenant with, they may know it's true, but they are quiet. Because you don't take a sword and stab the very person you're in the covenant with, even if they have done an error. The strategy is that you protect them on the outside, but you come inside and tell them you need to repent from this thing. That is the strategy. So, we've lost... A sense of sacredness, the sacredness of life, the sacredness of relationship, the rules of engagement, and we, are just, we just behave anyhow. A lot of people who want to get married today, they don't even understand what a covenant is. They want to enter into really so just quick. We've abused that word friendship. We just meet somebody today, we call meet my friend. And people now feel bad if you, if, if you meet someone today, say meet my acquaintance, they get angry, ah, which one is acquaintance? People don't know how to now attach value or significance to those things that matter. God will not just call you a friend. It was after God entered a covenant with Moses and with Abraham that he started calling them friend. You don't just call anybody friend. There must be a covenant guiding that. There must be an agreement guiding that. And listen. You won't really go far in life if you don't have at least one covenant relationship. Because the powers that it generates are just out of this world. Because even the... See, the reason why the day the sun sets and rises in, like, in clock, like clockwork is because there is a solaric covenant that God put in place. So that thing is, is bound by an oath. It's bound by an oath. So even the very fabric, fabrics of this earth was created on the basis of a covenant. So God has a covenant with the solar system. You must follow this pattern. It's a covenant. So the reason why the sun is not burning you today, melting, is because there is a covenant it is keeping. When God makes a commitment, he will keep it even if you are cheating him. That's the kind of God he is. God, God, see, God does not break his covenant. He doesn't. Because the implication is that if he breaks his covenant, he will stop being God. What makes him God? Will, he will leave him. Proverbs chapter 18 says something very profound. Proverbs 18, verse 24. He said, There are friends. Who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. So it's not really by by physical bet, really. It's not really by physical bet, it's by covenant. And in Proverbs 20, verse 6, the Bible says, 
many will say many will say that they are loyal friends but who can find one who is really faithful so we see that a covenant is the basis on which friendship and love should be prosecuted right so covenant is to make people keep their word people because people are by nature selfish self-seekers and god knows this the thing no matter how good intentioned you are you are a selfish person by nature if god doesn't help you you'll be selfish even you that is born again that selfish nature is still there so that so god even requires a covenant to relate with you <laughs> and so we, we should also learn from that because let me tell you this that like, if push comes to shove people would people would more people will protect themselves so other people that have made reckless promises to you, I will, I would, I will stand by you. In fact, I wrote something yesterday. It was just humor. I wanted to post it, but I don't know why I didn't post it. I was like, ah, I, I, it was humor. You know all these cruise things we do. I was like, a person will say, "Ingo, stand by me. Don't finally sit down, no chai. <laughs> well, I was just using wordplay. Person will say, "Ingo, stand by me. Don't finally sit down." You know. And you know, I, I said I wrote that because I you know I was contemplating how it's very easy for people to 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 change on you, to shift on you, just because you are going through a particular phase in your life. I've experienced it in my life, just because you know you have a phase of turbulence. Everybody just abandons you. Everybody runs away from you. Maybe sc- scandals here, scandals here, stories here, rumors. They just you you are turbulent. That phase of your life is you 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 almost lost your life. And everybody, the same people will be like, I will follow you to the end of the year. <laughs> you know, imagine people like me, we get such things. People tell you that, ah, GI, wherever you go, we will go. And when they go and get stuff, everybody finds their square root. Only few people stay. Few people. My God. So the, the, so the key to any successful relationship or even nation is a covenant. So I'm not going to focus on covenant so much, but I just wanted to point to you how, what a prophetic relationship, a prophetic relationship is a covenant relationship, is a relationship God brings into your life for your destiny. Because you cannot do things by yourself on this earth. So the most important thing to God is loyalty and relationships. The most important thing is loyalty and relationship so next edition i'm going to be focusing deeply on covenant so let me talk about something you know in handling prophetic relationship because this is actually very important i learned this thing strongly from you know pastor david william mike mudok you know and very powerful stuff if if i can i would send the link to you guys for it for you guys to also learn you know when it comes to prophetic relationship there is a way to relate with prophetic relationships Prophetic relationships are relationships that God puts in your life to help you. Prophetic relationships are relationships that God puts in your life for your benefit, right? For example, one example of a prophetic relationship is your relationship with, with you know, fellow Christians. Relationships that are orchestrated by God for a specific purpose. Maybe a marriage, a friendship, a business. But maybe God orchestrates that friendship. You know, and sometimes it's not plenty because God is into quality and not quantity that's why i'm not passionate about having so many friends just a few people you know is okay for me i'm not desirous of people's attention i'm not that kind of person if you know me very well you know that i'm not a limelight person i'm a very 
conserved person i like my privacy i just want to do life with quality people and things like that you know so private relationships are designed by god to bring help comfort succor solution destiny activation and fulfillment there are certain people that god brings into your life that are to activate your destiny but this this thing i'm about to talk about is the reason why people don't experience it because of familiarity and so listen prophetic relationship is not by who is older than each other sometimes the people that god will send to help you are people you are older than you are better than they they will be the ones to help you for example the reason why naaman in the bible received his healing was that there is one maid in his house who gave him counsel to go and meet Elisha. And that was how he got healed. So the people that God will place in your life to help you, you may even be better than them in certain areas, but if you entertain familiarity and contempt in your heart, you will lose out of that thing. The same way there are prophetic relationships, there are also diabolical relationships. The devil can organize people into your life. I've experienced that, Jesus. You know, some of these things, you know... (laughs) the devil is also very intentional as god is is as god is organizing prophetic relationships for you the devil is also organizing his own so it's not everybody that enters your life that are and some the funny thing about the devil is that he will bring people who attract you or who you're attracted to who who fuel your lusts your desires you know they will come in a package you like you know there is this popular quote the devil wears prada the devil won't come in a form you don't like and sometimes god comes in a form you don't like <laughs> let me say it again sometimes god comes in a form you don't like and most times the devil comes in a form that you like so you need high level discernment god is bringing somebody in your life because because you don't like them you just despise them and it's the ones that you are attracted to that's the ones the devil has organized for you to just break your heart into a thousand pieces and you know you are still adamant you're still very adamant about such things that's why me god had to help me you see all this thing we talk about spec 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 see eh? god killed that thing in me long ago spec because the, the, the devil can organize your spec for you and destroy your life but the funny thing about God is that when you give it up to him, he will always bring to you what, what will please you. And that's just what I've realized. He will always bring to you what will please you. But you have to give it up first. But we want to hold on to it. We want to hold on to it with one hand. <laughs> so, so, I want to talk about the law of recognition. See, one thing you need to understand is that it was Mike Mudok that said this. He said, where when you are where you belong or when you are with whom you belong nobody can rival you that means that when you are where you belong when you are where you belong there will be no competition if you belong in that place nobody will rival you nobody will compete with you people will recognize your uniqueness and celebrate you for it so in, in, if you are in a place where you are not recognized and celebrated, you are in the wrong place. I'm telling you, one of the most, most, most devilish things on this earth is contempt and familiarity. I hate it so much. I hate it. That is why when I have mentors or people I respect, I give myself a distance from them. I don't care how, how much access they give to me. I respect that boundary. I respect it. 
Even when they tell you, no, 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 be free. I refuse. I can't be, no, me. I will not be free. I will not be totally free to the point where I'm laughing with them and I hit their head or, you know, you do all those things. I know I, there's just some people who do things like that and you just be looking at them. Just because somebody gives you access, your, your hand just wants to touch everything in there. But I don't know how people do things like that. And I, I tell people, you can actually have a conversation with somebody without touching them. You just met somebody or somebody gives you access and your, your hand is everywhere already. Oh, what is the problem? I don't understand when people do that. Thing. I don't understand it. Do you understand? You can actually have conversation from a distance and it will be full of honor and impact and insight. You just meet somebody and they, they give you access to them and they, you, you start to misbehave. You just start to show yourself. And begin to do all manner of things. You just want to touch. Just, just behave anyhow. You sit before a king. And they put food in front of you. You, 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 you embarrass your home training. And you, that gluttony in you. You, you devour everything. Somebody takes you out. And say order whatever you want. That's when you remember that you've not eaten for 10 weeks. You order. Some things we just do. And that's why you, you wonder. You went on the first date. You didn't see the person again on the second date. You just embarrassed you. The things people do. Don't worry. One of these days we'll get into, you know, you know, simple rules for human relationships, friendship, and things like that. You know, simple, you know, um, etiquettes, you know, around those things. Those things actually matter. Even the Bible says that when you sit before a king, put a knife on your throat. Don't, just keep your appetite to yourself. Some people just, you just, <laughs> Jesus. Don't worry. One day I will talk about. How people don't have respect. For example, I've. Let me keep quiet. All right, so as we were saying, you know, the law of recognition. Listen, everybody is blind somewhere. I learned this from my Kumdok too. Everybody is blind somewhere. You cannot see everything at the same time. Everybody is blind somewhere. You cannot see everything at the same time. So it is possible for you to be in the presence of gold and you will not see it. Pay attention to this I'm saying. I'm talking about how to handle prophetic relationships. So you might be in front of gold. In fact, in the natural, when you look at things long, you will stop seeing it. Have you noticed that that screensaver on your phone... Or that wallpaper. You've not noticed it for close to two, three weeks now. It's there, but you're not seeing it. It's there. You're looking at it, but you're not seeing it. You can have something in front of you. As in you, you look at it long enough, you get to... That, that's for in the natural, but in the spiritual, it's a little bit different. But in the natural, the more you look at something, the, the, the more you stop seeing it. So it's possible for you to have a very great relationship and you stop seeing it. It's possible for you to have gold in a person and you stop seeing it because people are naturally blind. Do you know that love is different from recognition? You can love something and not recognize it for what it is. And this is very rampant with parents. Your parents love you, but they don't rate you sometimes. They don't really know who you are. I'm going to tell you one story. And it's not as if they do it intentionally. In their mind, ah, are you not my child? But, you see, they don't perceive you from your, div- from your divinity. Uh, parents make a lot of that mistake. 
Now, there was there is a story I like to tell. It happened to me in my final year. Now, I think yeah, it was in my final year. My dad is a very frugal person. I learned financial frugality from that man. Wealthy but frugal. There is no list you will write for my father that he will not cancel something. He must cancel something. Because he'll tell you, this thing, you can do without it. I can remember one particular time I was going back to school when I was in secondary school. I wrote shoe polish. I wrote brown and black. My father said, for what? What about that? He said, shoe polish. He canceled one of his. I mean, he canceled even two. He said, you don't need it. And looking back, he was right. I didn't really need it. What was I trying to prove? I was, was I trying to impress some girls or what? <laughs> I didn't really need it. So my dad would also cancel. So from, and something about me is, I never, I will never, I will never add, maybe, uh, uh, that they said biology 1000 textbook 2000 biology textbook three i don't do that i never did that throughout school and the, the funny thing is i will write exactly the amount i wanted and this man will still cut it this will be paining me like i didn't really need this thing i never did it in secondary school even in the university i never did it so this particular time i needed money so bad that was the first time i I lied to him that I needed money for something that I didn't need money for. And he had to give it to me. And that was for project. I didn't, I didn't need money for project. But I told him I needed money for project. Because all like, this money is just depriving me. Do you know, uh, later I went to confess. He, he had died later. I think I confessed to my mom that this is what I did. <laughs> I'm always... My crush will just be judging me. I will just confess. They, maybe they, maybe they, they, the second time I did something like that was, you know, when I was seven, they gave me money for accommodation. I didn't use it for accommodation. I confess. I didn't use it for accommodation. I used it for something else. And my conscience will not let me. I will just report myself. I don't know. I can't keep it inside. Do you understand? So my dad. So I think that particular day. Okay, no, no. It wasn't that project when it was something else I needed. And I needed, it was either, I can't remember exactly, but it was money I needed, Sha. So I needed them, I needed everything on that list. I said that I needed everything. And I knew my dad. So I was waiting for him. I was I was arguing with him like that. I need everything and my dad was just, just kept quiet. And now this is this is I, I intentionally used this one against him because I knew my dad. I, I knew that it would work. Now so my 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 mentor then I met a guy, he was my supervisor during IT then. So you know, we, we developed a relationship. Most of you will know him, Emeka Nobis. Emeka Nobis, you must have heard of him. He was my, he's my mentor. He's part of my business mentors and all that. So then, back, far back in 2010, you know, we developed, you know, a, a, a relationship. And so, one of those days, I took my, my, my life vision, my plan. I documented everything. In fact, some of the things we are doing today is in that document today. <laughs> I wrote them many years ago. More than 10 years ago. I wrote them down. So, I shared it with him. You know, he looked at the plans, you know, that I had written for my life, everything I wanted to be doing. Even this one we are doing today is all captured in that document I wrote many years ago. So I give it to him. He read everything. He was so, in, in fact, he was so encouraged, he was so pumped up, and he also encouraged me. So he wrote a book. He Afterwards, he wrote a book called The Profound Life. In the acknowledgement, Emeka Nobis acknowledged me in his, in his book, far back in 2010. And one of the things he wrote in that book is that, you know, that, you know, that when he met me and, you know, that he was so spurred up to pursue, he said something about he, he was encouraged, you know, to also do his own thing, you know, by interacting with me and reading my plans for my future. The thing really encouraged him. So he wrote that thing down in the acknowledgement. So, and I was, luckily for me, I was with that book that day. 
So in my mind, I was like, this man doesn't rate me. He doesn't know that his son is 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 impacting lives. This man is just he does not rate me. So I so so it just dawned on me. I was like, Daddy, hey, you know that my supervisor, you know, American nobis because my dad knew him. I was like, he wrote a book, oh, he wrote a book, and he acknowledged me in the in the acknowledgement. My dad, the thing caught my dad's attention, and he took the book from me and he opened the page and read the acknowledgement that nobis wrote about me. My father counted the money exactly and gave me. It was as though he had the realization, ah, this my son is actually, he's actually something. He, he always knew, but I think that epiphany came to him again. So what I'm saying is that you can love something and not recognize it for what it is. Sometimes God puts something that will change your life in a form that is so feeble that you might not recognize it. So the law of recognition is what helps you recognize the value of the relationships God has placed in your life. Some of you are not taking advantage of the relationship, not advantage in a bad way, of the relationship that God has put in your life. There are certain people that God put in your life that if God opens your eyes to see who they are, you will not treat them with contempt again in your life. I remember a story of a lady I met one time. I don't know why it's always ladies. Nah, this kind of thing. I met this lady. Uh, that was in I think it was twenty eighteen. I entered this restaurant and I noticed this lady. I, just, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not seeing something, something here. And I've n- I don't do things like that. I don't walk into places and walk up to. But I, I don't do things like that. But this one, I was compelled. So I don't know what compelled me. I don't know. I just I just went to meet her. Well, maybe I may know, but I don't want to say. But I don't, something she compelled me. I went to her. I was like, so I started speaking to her. Hmm. The girl said, hmm, please, oh, hmm. you know, people like you that have sweet mouth, please, oh, hmm. I don't want anything, you know. Hey, hey, you know. I was like, no, 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 no. She was like, no, we know you now. Look at you. You know, because when people look at me, you know, they, they see this, this guy's a bad boy, all this people kind of, hmm, whatever. You know, so she was like, no, I don't want anybody to, you know, break my, you know, people like you, you look at fine and all those things, all these people that with sweet mouth, they'll just, you know, break your heart and all those things. I'm like, no, 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 you can't, you can't be saying things that at least, you know, give me an opportunity. We're like, no, 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 but I don't know, Sha, my way with words, you know, I got her to laugh. Once you get the lady to laugh, that, that's actually a win. And, you know, I took her number and then I started following her up and things like that. So I now realized that the lady... You know, when she now opened up her mind a little bit, almost she started, she started giving me headache from every side. You know, not a headache in, in a certain way. The headache she was giving me, I just realized that she had a lot of insecurities. She was a very fine girl, but she had a lot of insecurities that, no, you know, like, you know, for example, she may call me and ask me, where are you? What are you doing? And then problem would just, you know, bust out from that. I'm like, ah. She was like, oh, you guys, oh, you guys, oh, you guys. So I realized that she had had the experience of, you know, heartbreaks and all that. I was like, yeah, just, you're just, you're just laying your experience on me. I'm none of this thing. She was like, no, no, I know this guy. And sometimes she, she would see me and say, do you love me? Do you really love me? Oh, Jesus Christ, what kind of thing is this? Oh. <laughs> hey, God. So, so something, so she, this thing was getting too much and it was messing with my peace of mind. Oh, that was all this thing. So I know I don't trust all these guys. So I realized that she had some very bitter experiences with guys. So I told her to do something. I said, "Can you do me a favor? After this, after doing this, you can stop talking to me, but just do me a favor because you're just giving me headache." I was like, "Should be a Christian?" She said, "Yes." 
I said, Shibi, you can pray to God. I said, yes. I said, see, hmm? let's, I, I, in fact, I, I, I join my faith with you. Let God reveal to you the kind of man that I am. I said, go and pray. And God will reveal to you. She was like, yes, I'm going to do that. I said, go and talk to God about me. And I said, when God speaks to you, come back and tell me. Because I was fed up with the whole no trash and all that. I was fed up with it. So she now she actually went to pray. She actually went to pray. After some days, she called me back. See, her voice was so calm. Her voice, see, it was as though she was turned into a new a new person. And she called me a name. There was a name she called me. And anybody that calls me that name has seen me in the spirit. They've seen who I am in the spirit. So she called me that name. And she said some other things and, you know, encouraged me and all that. And that was how she calmed down. But, of course, I, the, the friendship didn't continue and all that. Because I, that, those insecurities were still there. And I, I couldn't really manage those things. And, I, I mean, I had other things, important things to do. So, but the, what I'm trying to bring out of this is that the moment she recognized me for who I was, it changed her disposition towards me. In fact, she became so calm, so respect. I mean, it, just, it just happened. So and I, I so when that thing happened, I usually use that. Whenever somebody is told me, I say, "Go on, she be God. Go and ask God. Don't bother me. Go and ask God. If you're having such insecurity, let God speak to you about the person you are dealing with." And so you need to come to a place where you also recognize yourself for who you really are, and recognize. So don't look at people from a physical standpoint. Look at people from their true potential that God has put inside of them. When you do this, when you recognize people for who they are, then you can honor them for who they are. And it will have nothing to do with age. So the law of recognition is necessary for handling prophetic relationships. Because if you don't recognize who God has put in your life, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. Because the answer to those problems you have in your life is in a person. And some people, when God put those people into your life, you begin to compete with them. You just want to compete. You now begin to envy and compete instead of receiving of the things that God has given you. And let me tell you, so, okay, for someone like me who is a minister, of course, and, you know, most of the work that I do is, in, is from my heart, is prophetic, is, you know, the gospel and things like that. There is this thing that happens when I'm in the presence of somebody who truly honors me. And I, I don't do it to ask for people to honor me, no. I mean, if, if you don't feel like honoring somebody, that's your business. You, I mean, you don't have to do it. But honor is the principle. I honor people. Do you understand? I also expect people to also honor people they ought to honor. So there, there is this something. Whenever I'm in the presence of somebody that honors me, it, see, it's as if some, something starts bubbling inside of me. It's like they're pulling something from me. They're pulling. They're pulling. That is why, for example, when a pastor is honored by his congregation, signs and wonders always happen. Things always happen. Things always happen. But if he's in an environment where nobody honors him, nothing will flow. But if he goes into another place where he's honored, you will see things break out. So a pastor may be in a location, nothing is happening, and then maybe they invite him to another place and they honor him so much, it causes things to pull out from him. Those things that God has deposited on his inside. There is this guy. Anita knows the guy. His name is Great Gift. I don't know how. I don't know how, but this guy, he honors... I don't want to use the word worship, but he honors me. That's one person I've met in my life that I know honors me from his heart. And any, see, he may just call me 
or I pick up the phone. If I, if I, like a few weeks ago, he called me. The moment he called me on the phone, that prophetic, that prophetic, uh, this thing started bubbling inside of me. Started bubbling, started bubbling, started bubbling. Started bubbling inside of me, and, and for sometimes when we have conversations, we get we, we enter into prayer because when you're in the presence of some somebody you honor, if you honor that person, you pull virtue from that person, and that person can bless you because they recognize the gift of God upon your life. In fact, I was so scared, even for, right from when I was in 2008 2009, when I was president of my fellowship, this guy was staying with me. This, this guy doesn't joke with me. In fact, when he, as much as see people, just talk to me anyhow in public, he will come to me and say, they used to call me Pierre then. Why are you not addressing this? I don't like how this person talks. I leave them now. You know, you know, as a pastor, you need to you know, love people, but still be boiling in his heart. I, I, in his mind, he was like, why are you letting people treat you like this? Do they even know who you are? I was like, calm down, calm down. So one day I had to call him and say to him, great gifts, he listen. I know you honor me so much because I was so scared that if I if I if I tell this guy that this blue phone is black, he will tell you he will argue with you that as long as GI said this in his black is black. So I had to call him and say, "Great gift, please eh, value the word of the Holy Spirit more than my own. I'm just a man. I may make mistakes. Do you understand? So that I won't mislead you or say something and then you know, the guy is still the way he is, right? So what I'm trying to say with this is that honor." activates the gifts in a person and honor comes from your ability to recognize who they are so it's possible to love somebody and not recognize them it's possible to love somebody and not honor them and that is why a lot of people are married and it's in that marriage that they take each other for granted that's how you see Maybe, some, maybe somebody married to, for example, a pastor, a minister who is a powerful man of God. Healings everywhere, yet the life of the wife is nothing to write him about. Because, listen, the man, the, the human man you married, and the, 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 the grace upon his life is not the same person. See, the man and the pastor is not the same person, though he's the same person. So you re- so so it is it is the, the it is the side of a man you relate with that responds to you. So if you relate, so at at home, yes, you relate to them as well. It's good. I mean, of course, don't don't over spiritualize and all that. But being able to recognize that this person is human and yet there is something upon their life will give you an advantage. There's a story that Pastor Mildred told. She said, but that's Pastor Kingsley's wife. And if you notice, if you really paid attention to the scene, you see that there was a time nobody knew Pastor Mildred. It was just Pastor Kingsley. She said, something just hit her one day. And she, 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 she sees how people come and sow seed in her husband's life and say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. You know, some, some wives, the way they do it is they, they just dash your money and they collect it back. Now, of course, there is that side. But when you recognize that this person you are with is not an ordinary person, you see, there are two kinds of giving. You can just give them, I'm just giving you. But if you want to draw the grace in their life, you have to give in a different way. I'm not talking about giving up. I'm trying to explain something. So, And I'm sure that she used to give him stuff, right? But she said she noticed that people just come and sow it and, you know, 
Pastor Kingsley prays for them and things happen in their life. She was like, man, I'm not going to be a former wife, wife, pastor's wife, and I'm, I'm going to miss out of what is going on here. She said, I'm first of all your son or your daughter. So she will come, bring a seed, kneel down and say, man of God, pray for me. And Pastor Kingsley will be like, I was all this and I leave all this. She's like, no, 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 no. You will not rob me of this. Pray for me. She said one day she took dollars, you know, sold in his life. And Pastor Kinsley looked at her and said, now I build you a platform. She's, it was her telling this story. Now I build you a platform. It was from that day she became popular. But some people will be in the same house with someone who, is, who has access and be taking them for granted. And be celebrating and honoring people outside and dishonor the ones they have on the inside. Very terrible thing. That is why Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor in his own home. And guess what? Every one of you are prophetic. You have a gift of God upon your life. And so the same way you need to recognize people is the same way you need to recognize yourself. And people also need to recognize you. That is why I advise people, stay where you are recognized. Stay where you are appreciated. And there's something I do. Once I recognize that somebody has a gift in, I encourage them in that gift. And I don't mind paying for it. That's honor. I could easily ask for free stuff because of, as a result of, you know, what I've done in their life. But I, I still try to pay for those things and still try to give back to them. Because I honor and respect those things in their lives. Recognition. So stay where you are recognized and learn not to take people for granted. Learn to recognize people for who they are. Because you cannot receive what someone carries when you are in contempt of that gift of God that is upon their lives. There is a story about a woman who married four billionaires. It was Mike Mudok that said the story. So they were asking her, how were you able to marry four billionaires? And, you know, she married them. But, you know, I think, you know, sometimes these billionaires are usually older than the women. So this one would die, this one would die, this one would die. So four billionaires in her lifetime. She married four different billionaires. So they asked her, how were you able to, you know, men who can get any woman they want, but they chose you. Why? This was the answer she gave. She said, I immersed myself in their world. I immersed myself in their world. I wanted to know everything they knew. I wanted to look at what they were looking Okay, so he was talking about individual. He said, I, I immersed myself in his world to know everything he knew to look at what he was looking at, to study what he was studying. That was the way I did to each man. I got so involved with who they were, what they loved, what made them comfortable, what made them uncomfortable, what was their genius or their gifting. I studied them until I recognized the greatness in them. Let me tell you a secret. Every man in this room will bear me witness. A man is at his best. Eh? with a woman or a man who recognizes and honors their greatness. Women complain a lot. Why is it that men love respect? Why is it that men love respect? Listen, let me even tell you ladies now, you will never get the best out of a man if you disrespect him. You will never. I'm telling you the truth. And when ladies say those things, I, I, I ask them a question. I say, I say to them, what do ladies love more in their life? They say, love, attention, and care. And I, and I tell them, do you see men complaining about the fact that you like too much attention? They say no. I say, why is it that the one thing men like, that's 
That's the one you want to complain about. Eh, why do you like too much respect? Men and women are not the same thing. Women want attention. They want that care. We give it to them freely. But the only one thing that men want, no, they want to redefine no respect. No, you have to earn my respect. You have to earn. You have to, no, before I submit to you, you have to, you know, all the manner of things that people just do. Yet, nobody argues about, eh, you have to earn my attention. You have to earn my, you know, all those plenty things. It, it's just, it, you see that there is foul play there. So, but this applies to everybody. There's also mutual honor. But the way a woman wants to be honored is not necessarily the way a man wants to be honored. When we get into, you know, the um, more practical relationship talks, we'll talk about those ones. But the point is that she learned to, rec- she studied them until she recognized who they were and honored them for that. And that was why those men, so and a man naturally is attracted to a woman like that. So, you see most ladies who are very beautiful, they, there's this pride they have. They're like, Look, look at this girl. No, I'm finer than her. Why, why are the men? Why are the men always around this one? Let me tell you something. Most of those, as you wear ugly, because nobody's ugly, but as you wear ugly ladies, they've learned, some, they've learned something most fine girls did not learn. And that is how to treat a man, how to honor a man, how to be diplomatic and soft with a man. They know it. So a man will abandon a, a queen for a Shulamite woman who doesn't even have breasts. If you read the songs of Solomon. Solomon left all those thousand wives and concubines he had and went and his heart moved for that Shulamite woman who was walking in the vineyard, who didn't have any pedigree, who was a peasant. She didn't even have breast. Her breast was flat. Her bonbon was flat. That was the person that Solomon wrote all those songs for. And yet all the ones that have figure, figure 8 and figure 16, Solomon ignored all of them, even made them concubines. But his heart moved for the one. And look at the way that Shulamite woman spoke to Solomon. You will see how he she turned his head. But we live in a generation where being disrespectful or insultive is is a, is 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 a sign of love. You see, and let me tell you, if you're if you're if you are the type that calls your boyfriend or your husband ode, let me tell you the truth. He might be laughing with you and say, ha, 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 you told them. He doesn't like it. The reason why he's adapting to it is he doesn't want you to call him petty or insensitive. No man likes to be jokingly called idiot or the or fool, especially his wife or the woman she's vulnerable. No man asks them. If they say it's a lie, tell them I say they are lying. No man loves it. No man loves to be insulted through a joke. No man loves it. So in Nigeria, insult is a love language. Look at you, big head, idiot, fool, rabbit. <laughs> hey, my love. Yeah, you know, when I call you big head, it means I like you. See, you see, see the way we've taken, I don't know why it's the bad things that, you know, gain such, you know, popularity. We see how we've taken derogatory things and elevated it to, the, to, to love. God will never speak to you in a derogatory manner even when he's joking with you. That's why me, I don't take it. Don't thank you. Don't 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 love me through your order and thank you. I don't want. I'm fine. So you see the way you speak to, and this applies to women too. The way you speak to a woman, the way you speak to a man determines what comes out of them. So it takes one who recognizes you to honor you. So you you one of the ways you handle prophetic relationship is by learning to honor. By recognizing who they are. So stop looking at people based on how much they have. See, one thing 
everybody who have encountered me one especially closely i'm not a materialistic person i do not emphasize material things i do not and i get upset with people who emphasize material things a lot especially when it comes to intimate relationships it turns me off when people begin to emphasize much as if it is the very life of those things material things are good it has its place but when it becomes the life of the relationship it is devilish in nature in nature quote me anywhere what sustains a relationship is not material things. He plays his part. Haven't you seen poor people? Now, poverty is not good, but who have intimacy, yet rich people don't have it. You see a very rich woman. She's, she is one, the guy she's, he's dating, she's dating, doesn't have anything, but she's content there because she feels that love there. I'm not saying poverty is not good. You can have wealth and have intimacy. And there's a way to go. But that emphasis on material. So I'm saying this to say that people who evaluate people based on how much they have or how they look, they, they, they should be pitied. If you're close to me, you will know something. I don't, I don't emphasize. That's why well, I have to learn this for the sake of my wife. But you can come near me. I won't comment on your dress or your hair. It, well, it's not so much of a good thing. And of course, I, it's not bad to do it. But what I'm saying is, I don't... I don't judge people based on those things. Yeah, you look good, but I will not rate you based on how much. I see. I don't rate people by how much they have. I'm not impressed by people who have money. I, yes, of course, I respect them for their frugality, you know, ability to to, to make well. But I won't place you at, at a certain place just because you have money. Who are you? What? Who are you? What, what kind of person are you? And that's why me, I, I freely relate with any and everybody. I don't classify people based on what they have. I classify people based on the quality of their character because those are the kind of people I want to be with. So I identify with people like that. I identify with them. But the truth is that when you find people who are truly wealthy, they are meek at heart. The ones who are noisy, they didn't really, they didn't really go through the process to get wealthy the right way. So ignorance is very deadly and it perpetuates disease, loss and poverty, human decay, heartache and tragedy because we do not know how to handle professional relationships. Because everything you need or want in your life is already in around your life, awaiting your recognition until you recognize. I'm focusing on this law of recognition because for you to even begin to treat prophetic relationship in your life, right, you need to recognize them for who they are. So part of what you do is that when people come into your life, try and discern who they are descend their gifting descend their uniqueness and honor them for it. And when we begin to do this, we will do more of collaboration than competition. I can't compete with you. My destiny and yours is not the same thing. What I bring to the table is not what you bring to the table. Even if it's one single thing I bring, I bring one single thing. And I, I know my uniqueness. I understand it. See, we can be 10 people who, who teach a topic. I won't feel bad that 10 people have taught it because when I stand and start teaching, it brings a unique dimension. It brings a unique perspective. And, and I know what my teaching does. So I, I don't just see. I don't just equip people with knowledge part of what happens when i teach is that god uses what i do to unlock things in people's hearts it begins to unlock so it begins to help them articulate and find clarity. i know the uniqueness of the touch of my life in i know it it's not pride it is honor for the gift of god upon my life so it's good for you to recognize yourself and not take your, yourself for granted, and in the same breath, recognize people for who they are in your life, and not treat them with contempt. 
there are people you will meet that will have money more than you there are some that you meet you have money more than there's no point rating people based on that recognize people for their gifting and please people around your life and honor them if you meet somebody and you realize you can't honor them please move out of their space it is for your own good and for their own good don't see there, there's a way papa said there's a way um, bishop david Oedipo said it he said don't say amen to a pe- to the prayers of a person you hate don't say amen to the prayers of a person you dishonor <clears throat> let me say it again don't say amen don't sit down under the teaching or don't have conversation with somebody you hate or say amen to their prayers you are you are cursing your, you are you are causing problems for yourself don't accept gifts from a person you hate if your heart despises them leave them alone leave them alone to be in peace it is good for you too it's very good for you too and please hear this and hear this clearly i learned this from my doctor he said anything unrecognized becomes uncelebrated anything uncelebrated becomes unrewarded and anything unrewarded exits your life anything you don't celebrate will fizzle out of your life anything you don't celebrate will fizzle out of your life anything you don't celebrate will fizzle out of your life there's something that god said in first samuel 2 verse 30 anytime i read that and it scares me he was you know he was reprimanding eli he said Far okay, no, no, I think it was Hannah that was you know saying it as a prophecy, right? Was it Hannah? First summer, uh, no, 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 no. I need to verify this so I don't. First summer chapter 2. Okay, yeah, yes, it was Eli. God was speaking to Eli. God said to Eli, He said, He said, Far be it from me, those that honor me, I will honor, but those that despise me, I will lightly esteem. So even God, eh, he does see if you despise him, God would lightly esteem you. He will not, he will despise you. He loves you, he causes his reign to shine upon the good and the evil. But if you want quality covenant relationship with God, you must learn to honor God. So so the principle is if you honor something, you receive honor. If you despise it, you receive, you know, the, the same thing. So whatever you don't celebrate in your life will exit your life. Look at Joseph and his brothers. His brothers did not recognize who he was. They didn't recognize him. It was after 13 years when he became prime minister that, in fact, I'm sure that they they were so ashamed of themselves when they realized that this same brother that they sold for a slave is the same one that saved them. Be careful who you despise. Be very careful. Be very careful who you despise. The same thing with David. David. They were always, you know, you know, picking on him. But he became king of Israel. The same David did. See, don't despise people. Though. No matter where they are in there. Don't despise people. A prophetic relationship is not necessarily an economic relationship. There are people in your life who will not give you shengbai. Don't think. Because in this generation now, we're like, you know, people say things like, you know, you know, uh, um, if you're broke right now, you know how much can you raise from your circle that's bo- uh, mm, mm, sorry that's that's nonsense 
There are people in your life who will not give you money, but the counsel they will give you will save your life. There are even some people, they won't give you any single counsel. Just their presence in your life does something to you. Do you know that people can enter into your life and you enter a very bad season? They didn't say anything to you. They don't talk to you every day. Just because they become your friend, they've entered into your life. Bad things begin to happen to you. I've experienced it before. In the moment you, 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 God takes them out of your life, things open up for you. It has happened to me. There are certain people who enter your presence and it's as if there is a closed heaven over you. I'm telling you the truth. People carry atmospheres. So you must recognize people. Recognize the atmosphere people bring into your life. There are certain people that enter into your life. You just realize that growth just kickstarts. Now, you think it's you. You think it's you. You think it's maybe because you read. It's not you. They just, you just met them and just, pam. Certain, okay, if you think it's a lie, just, maybe you suspect it's this person. Eh? Despise them in your heart and see what happens. In fact, don't even call them and insult them. Just despise them in your heart and see what will happen to you. You will notice things changing. You will notice things change. And me, personally, I know what happens to people when I enter into their life. I know. I know two major things. I don't need to speak to them every day. I don't need to talk to them. Just by them entering into my life and for them for them just simply respecting and honoring who I am, I know things that begin to happen in their life. I, just, I know those things. I can tell you what they are. And you too, there are things that happen, into people's, happen in people's lives when you enter their life. You may not necessarily be talking to them every day. Because God uses people to bring changes of season into your life. Yes. Remember that it was when Lot was separated from Abraham that God told him, lift up your eyes and see. There are certain things you will not see until certain people leave your life. And there are certain things you will not see until certain people enter your life. Don't take people for granted. Everybody is important to God. Everybody is prophetic. Everybody who is a believer has a prophetic destiny. And they have something they, they can contribute to your life. Honor, that's why God recommends honor all men. Honor all men. Don't despise anyone. Don't despise anyone. Don't despise your, The most important thing, don't despise yourself. Learn to recognize who you are. Most importantly, don't despise the voice of the Holy Spirit. It will save you from a lot of trouble. I can tell you countless stories about how sometimes I didn't pay attention to the voice of the Spirit and it got me in trouble. I can tell you countless stories. Maybe I will tell you one. I think I've told that story before. Recognizing the voice of the Spirit. Maybe I'll tell one story before, Randall. Recognizing the voice of the Spirit can save you from a lot of problems. So the law of recognition will bring you into a place where you recognize the people. And it's not everybody that is in your life that God put there. And listen, there is something you are not yet seeing about your life. And it, that thing is costing you everything. Not being able to recognize things in your life can cost you a lot. Not being able to recognize it can cost you a lot. There is something you are not yet seeing. That is why you must be humble. And always ask God to help you recognize things. So maybe after today, just add this to your prayer. Lord, help me see. Help me recognize people in my life. Help me recognize even myself. Help me recognize you better. And you begin to see changes in your life. But apart from recognizing, there is a, there is a way to treat prophetic people in your life. Okay, let me even say, did you know even the Pharisees didn't recognize Jesus? They didn't recognize him. They were always fighting him. 
if you don't recognize a prophet in your life, you always be fighting them. And one thing about a prophet in your life, for example, is that if you don't honor them, their words over you will not, they, they can't, nothing good will come out of it. Their words will be working for other people, but you, it won't work for you. Yet, you are very close to them. You laugh with them, joke with them every day, but yet, their words do not carry power to do anything in your life. But when they speak over other people's life, things begin to happen. And it's the same thing with your pastors or maybe whoever prophesies over you. Sometimes you don't see those things because you, you, you don't even believe them. You just say, oh, I'm just saying, amen, no. Just in case, you don't actually believe. So, if, if you believe God, also believe the people he sends into your life. Because having eyes is not seen. Having ears is not hearing. You actually, a seeing is an art. And anything you don't recognize and celebrate will leave your life. I've said this before. And people only take a shot on people they recognize to see it for what it truly is. And remember that I said that the way you speak to someone determines what determines how what is inside of them flows. So recognition is one. So now you, when you now recognize prophetic people, so in the next 10 minutes, let me run through this. How do you handle them? Listen, you don't handle prophetic people in your life like every normal person, especially when you've recognized that that person, God has sent them into your life to, to do something specific in your life. Oh, there are so many things I wanted to talk about, but time. We will continue next time. Hmm. Maybe this should become a, a weekly series or something until I'm done. So how do you handle those people? You don't treat them ordinarily. Number one, the way you speak to them. Please, speak to them with honor, respect, with consideration and with love, right? Speak to them kindly with respect. And never be... Put yourself in a situation where you speak against them. Maliciously, unintentionally, intentionally. If you do that, please repent. Please repent. Tell, repent. Tell them that you are sorry it was out of ignorance and you repent from it. They may not even know, but just repent. Tell them that you are sorry for speaking like this, speaking like this. You didn't know when you did this. You didn't just repent, you know, and all that. You know, and avoid getting into strife with them. Don't get into strife. In fact, generally, don't get into strife with people, but especially people who have prophetic relationships in your life. An example of a prophetic relationship is your marriage, your pastor, your covenant friends, and people who God has sent into your life. You know, you too, you are a prophetic person in another person's life. So avoid strife. Like Abraham and Lot, avoid strife. Strife will mess up the relationship. Avoid dishonor. Don't dishonor them. Don't speak against them. Don't even think ill against them. That one is even more dangerous. There's a Bible, there's a scripture that in Ecclesiastes said, Cost not the king in your heart not the prince in your bedchamber because that which has wings will tell the matter and the bed of the air will carry the matter. When you despise somebody in your heart who you are supposed to honor, they, somehow they will know. They will feel it somehow. They will feel exposed and they will feel averse towards you. They won't even know what's going on, but they will just feel so. I've invited someone into my house and even in my very house, inside my house, they use their mouths to pieces me in my own house. I was working in Abuja then. So the guy came to my house and one other of my friends was around. So I left them and I went to work that day. And I was minding my business. 
in in my workplace and usually i close by six and i start coming home by six but around five ish my the speed my spirit started telling me go home now go home now go i was almost there i was i felt the everywhere was just itching me i couldn't stay there anymore I, if i entered the bike and went home the moment i got to my two of them coming out and i looked into their eyes i saw guilt and then something told me just change your face just just switch your face as though you know what happened. And I actually knew what happened. And I just started walking. One of them followed me and said, please, now wait, I want to talk to you. I was like, just leave me. Like, I didn't even pay attention to the person. So the other person also slept over in my house. So I didn't say anything to the person. I was just quiet. So we went out that evening to eat. The person, the, the, the guy started eh, destroying the other person. Started saying bad things about the other person in front of me. I was just saying things, saying things, saying in my own very house. Saying things, saying things. I was just keep quiet. I said, mm, mm. And me now, I will not. I called the person. I was like, this person said you said so, 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 so. You were like, no. No, if I even tell you what that person said about you, your mother, your brother, and that the, because that person was my family friend, very close to my family. <laughs> said, P.I., I don't even want to say the things I heard today. I didn't say anything. You know, he was the one that was saying, ha. I called him and I said, so you lied against... Because me, I don't like to do all those backyard things. I said, so you... I was like, no. See, this person wants to spoil our friendship now. <laughs> oh, God. I called his brother. I called I called everybody involved. I said, see, his brother told me, don't you know that his mouth is porous? Why would you even let him into your house and all that? It, hmm. So, okay. So, avoid gossip. Avoid slander. Prophetic relationships, avoid gossip, avoid slander. Don't put yourself in a position to undermine them. Some people, they don't really use words to undermine you. They use silence. See, listen. Prophetic relationships or friendships are not objective. You don't keep quiet in a place where they are talking down on someone and you keep quiet. It's better you say, "Mm, I don't want to hear this. Enough is enough. I don't want to hear it. But don't be in a situation where you undermine them by your words or by your silence. Never do that. If you do it, apologize. Protect the relationship and defend it. Protect and defend it. I've thought this thing before and I'm reiterating it. Protect it and defend it. Especially openly. Secret love is no love. Secret love is no love. Don't be doing secret love and think you love someone. Defend the person openly. Defend the person openly. Avoid competition with the person. Avoid competition with the person. Recognize who they are and act accordingly. Know when the dynamic changes. When your friend becomes king, treat them as a king and let them invite you to continue being their friend. Don't treat people. Recognize. Always recognize people. Right? Don't meddle with familiarity even if they are down to earth and playful. Don't meddle with familiarity. That's not to say, you know, of course, enjoy the relationship, but be careful not to enter into familiarity. And know that prophetic relationships speak into your life. So value their words over your life because they are powerful. And if someone has ever been a blessing to you, never turn against them, even if they do something against you. Never turn against them. That is why David could not kill Saul, because David recognized that Saul was God's anointed, even when Saul was after his life. If someone has been a blessing to you ever in this life, never turn against them, even if they decide to be your enemy. Be the one to suffer the wrong. Never, ever turn against them. And always, whenever you have the opportunity to do them good, do them good. God knows how to sort them out.
and you know a prophetic people's function from the heart so words service honor are keys to the heart the way you speak to them and about them you know you know can change you know affects their disposition towards you and their disposition can trigger events avoid rebellion you know assist them make things easy for them help them the best way you can and take the disposition of service towards them. Some of you just want to become equals. You know, there is this... Uh, when I when we started Hope City, you know, many years ago, and I had a lot of people, and me, I was down to earth. I gave everybody access to me, you know, believe me and all that. And I, I started noticing that, you know, I started noticing it, but me, I just ignored them. Like, maybe just ignore I started noticing that some people just... I, they wanted to. I don't know. I don't know why people do that. Me, I don't used to do it, but I don't know why people do that. You know, I, I noticed that some of them was trying to measure up to me, like you know, you know, when you say I stand shoulder to shoulder, you know. So I saw that they were struggling a lot, and I could see their struggle. But I was just looking at them. You know, they are trying to measure up. You know, you know, you know, when other people you know, show respect, you know, they will try to show. Hey, me and Pi, me and Gia, we are parties. You know parties you know you know we talk you know we have conversation me I, all these things don't used to bother me me i just be myself so there's this particular one I just, I, you know, always trying to measure up you know measure up many years after she was like man the truth is i actually tried to measure up to you you know but oh my just realized that it can't work I was like, I knew that you are trying to measure up and all. Just humble yourself. I don't know. Me, see, if God sends someone into your life to help you, there's no need to measure. Even if that, even if you are better than that person in many areas, there's no need to measure up with that person. I don't know why people do that. You're just trying to prove a point that I can do this too. I can be this, and the person is just busy doing their thing. You know, so don't get into competition. Take it this. Once you recognize that this person. You know, God has placed them over your life to be a blessing to you. Take the disposition of service towards them. Always be in a position to serve them. Because service opens, gives you access. Honor facilitates progress. You honor people for who they are in God's plan and agenda. Not because of their material wealth, status in society, or even intelligence. When you honor people for all those things, it is lost. When you you honor people because of their intelligence, you are lost after them. When you honor them for their wealth, their status, or even their physical beauty, it is lost. Love is more, it more is based more on your recognition of who they are in Christ, who they are in God, who their potential. So readjust yourself and don't get into unnecessary competition with people that are supposed to be. Stop competing with someone you are supposed to be learning from. Stop competing. I've seen that a lot in my life. And I have learned something. I may have an answer to somebody's question. And I notice that the person is just in a competitive mood. I will never tell them that thing. The person may know me for 10 years. The person may even be calling me mentor, but I will never tell them that thing. That thing they are looking for, I will not never tell them. When I learned that principle, see, when, see, I, when I'm in front of my mentors, I don't talk. I don't give my opinion. I don't. I keep quiet and learn. I don't... Sometimes they ask me questions, but I answer with a lot of some reservations. I don't show myself. I don't. I can contribute to the conversation. I can say intelligent things. Now, 
those are my mentors. Now, if I go to a public place where I need to demonstrate my expertise, I will do that. But when I'm with my mentors, people I honor, I, I don't know anything. I don't know nothing. I would be listening. In fact, the way I would even act, you would think nothing is in this guy's head. It is when I'm in my elements that you'll be shocked. But I don't assume anything. You know, when they are talking, I'll be like, yeah, and yeah, you know, yes, and yes, this, you know, I don't do that. I'll just be listening. And, and, and there's something I always do when I go, go, go to speak with my mentors. I go with a pen and a paper and make sure I'm jotting down what they're saying. Because when somebody sees that you honor their words enough to take notes, they will speak more. So I notice that as I'm speaking, they keep talking. They keep talking. They start telling me deep secret things that even some of them don't share with their wives. And I'm shocked. Because when you honor people's words, more words will flow towards you. So these are many more things that we need to do to start, you know, handling relationships in our lives. Don't you to be content. Next time I will talk about covenants, how to get into, you know, lifetime covenants with people that you will do life with. How to honor and appreciate God's you know, blood covenants, marriage covenants. That one is scary. Is one of the most scary things on this earth. But you know, when people don't honor it, they don't see the benefits of it, right? But God have mercy on us because in one way or the other, and I know that as I've been speaking, in one way or the other, you've noticed certain areas that you've missed it. Don't worry. You know, we make mistakes. Even me, as I'm speaking, I'm also legally seeing, you know, different places I also need to adjust. Because, see, as you do these things, God is also correcting certain things in your heart. That's why we, we, need, we need to listen to teachings like this. So if you've noticed certain areas that you've made mistakes, adjust it and start from where you are and keep Keep doing it right. Now, if you look back in your life, you see certain relationships you lost access to because of your attitude. So adjust your attitude and do right and things will get better, right? So thank you very much, guys, for attending. I hope this was a blessing to you. Let me know on the Telegram group what you learned and how this was a blessing to you. And, you know, I want to see if you got something, right? And then, of course, immersion is going to be the end of the month. And then there is a particular program we are going to start doing that we are going to do. It's called 12 Days of Mental Strength. You know, I want to spend 12 days, you know, teaching you how to fortify your mind. Now, it may not be a live session. I'm thinking maybe I will just record and post on the group, record and post on the group, record and post on the group for 12 days, 12 different topics, maybe just 30 minutes each. And then give you action points on what to do. Maybe I'll just be record post on the in the Telegram group, record post on the Telegram group, or if we can, we'll do live. But I don't want to stretch us for twelve days. But maybe I'll just record post, record post, teach you twelve things to in order to fortify your mind. So we have immersion coming. We have twelve days of mental strength, and then of course we have after immersion we have another how to handle prophetic relationships part three, and we'll talk about more. We'll talk about covenants more you know and how to handle things like that right so i pray over you in the name of jesus that god will continue to help you and help you come into knowledge listen whenever you acquire knowledge that convicts you don't feel bad learn the lesson and make adjustments repent where you need to repent speak to the people you need to speak to and you know make up with them sometimes they may not even know you did those things but just do right and you know of course, wherever there is love, there is forgiveness and let it flow and things like that and just readjust things like that, right? So, God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you.
in the name of Jesus. You will not miss out on prophetic relationships in your life. And God will continually show you his mercy and bring you into the seasons of your life that will change your life forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Like God bless you and keep you. Let me know your reviews on the Telegram group and then call it a day.